Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Get out to vote, Brian. You got to get out and vote. Absolutely. If you're not going to get out and vote, I don't want to hear you complaining. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, it's going to be, uh, tonight we're going to say some things that, uh, that's on the mind of a lot of people, uh, that a lot of people uh, in the media that we we hear every day and every night, they probably won't say, but we're going to say those things. And I think that they need to be said, Brian. Mm-hmm. We need to call this thing just like it is. We need to talk about this year's election. We need to talk about the dirty tricks that are being played. We need to uh, talk about the hate game that's going on, and Brian, it's just a it's just a sad situation. But I'll say this: between now and time to vote for the president, a lot of people are voting early, which is good. Yeah, we're going to see a side of some people that it's going to be ugly. I, I really believe it's going to be ugly, Brian. And when I say ugly, I'm not talking about any uh, crimes of hate and uh, you know, hate crimes or anything. Well, we'll probably see some of that, but we will see the ignorance of some people that you know they've probably been hiding and it's been laying dormant, and now it's going to come out. <laughs> I really believe it's going to come out, Brian. It's going to get ugly. Uh, the closer we get to this election, you'll be able to feel it in the air. I guarantee you. You know, Greg, it's funny because um, as I did some of my research, I found this website that was pretty interesting. It's called HolisticPolitics.com. And on their site, and that's www.HolisticPolitics, all one word, .com, on their site they have uh, this saying, 10 top reasons not to vote and 10 top reasons to vote. (laughs) And, you know, it's sort of like a parody on why you should vote or why you shouldn't vote. And one of the things it says is, I have a right not to vote. You can't make me. Mm. And, you know, and when you read that and you think about that, some people do have selfish reasons why they don't vote. They say, I'm not voting for that person because I don't want to vote for that person. They may be a certain color. I don't like their color. I don't like what they what they look like, you know, I don't like that they're a male or a female, you know, and so they say, you can't make me go out and vote, you know, and you hear people say that, I'm not voting for this person because of this is who they are, or that's who they are, you know, you had a lot of people say, I'm not voting for um, Barack Obama because he's black, I'm not voting for John McCain because he's old, I'm not voting for Hillary Clinton or Sarah Palin or any of those because they're women. You know, they have all these reasons why they shouldn't vote, you know, but very few people really focus on why they should still vote. And on this site, it has another saying, and I'm going to read it for you. It says one of the top ten reasons you should vote is that avoid feeling guilty if the other guy wins. Mm. You know, and but, uh, and I think that one is number seven. But number four, which I thought should be number one, especially for African Americans, it says, make an homage to our ancestors. Many have died and suffered to gain the right to vote. Mm. Now, when you think about that, you know, just, you know, if you let it marinate a little bit, you'll understand just how really important it is to vote. People died for the right to vote. They died for that. And yet yeah. people take it so lightly. Now, it's not a big deal. I'm not voting. They're going to do what they want to do anyway. I'm not going to vote. You know, I can remember back when they were taking the U.S. Census, and a lot of people said, I'm not doing that census. Then they'll know where I stay, and they'll know my business, and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, a lot of them fail to realize that the census is how they figure out how the money that – uh, each U.S. each uh, neighborhood and so forth will be given in how it will be allocated. So 
what they didn't realize they were doing is they were forcing, you know, by not getting in the census, by not filling out the census information, they were cutting themselves out of schools, out of parks and recreation centers, out of funding for other uh, projects that could go on in their communities. And so I say the same thing. By not voting, you cut yourself out of the opportunity to determine who will lead the free world. Because the President of the United States, in all intents and purposes, is the leader of the free world. Hmm. Well, Brian, you know, it, it, it is true. A lot of people died wanting to vote. And if we sit back and just let them, you know, their death be, you know, go in vain because of ignorance. Now, some people say, well, you know, you have a right not to vote if you don't want to vote. Well, if you really think about those that went before us, it doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter. We are Americans. You're American. You don't have to put all that other stuff in front of it. Oh, I'm an African-American. You're an American. I understand that. But you need to let your voice be heard, and you need to cast your vote. We don't care who you're voting for. But at least That's right. It doesn't matter who you vote for. Yes. Just get vote. Out and vote. If you, if you, you know, the, the beautiful thing about this, we should take someone with us when we go vote. That's then right. You'll see what, then you'll see what kind of strengths there are in numbers. You will see things happen when you get involved. It doesn't do any good to be in the barbershop or in the beauty salon or, or, or at work complaining and talking about things being bad. What did you do to help? That's what did right. you do? What did you do? You know, I, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, Master P, ironically. When Master P was out and he, and he was doing his No Limit Records and, you know, he had all of the, the down south gangster rap or whatever you want to call it, you know, and he was, you know, rolling in the money and everything, he was doing quite well. And he ended up going bankrupt. And when he reformed his label, all of the music that he did on his label was all clean music. So he, he when he reformed his label, he did a clean-only music label. And when he testified in Congress about rap music and the music industry, he said, I used to be part of the problem. Now I want to be part of the solution. Mm. And see, that's the thing. Part of the problem is that you don't have enough people out there using their empowered right to vote to affect change, to affect you know, what goes on in politics. Mm -hmm. See, what we've done is we assume that our politicians, we assume that they're, that they're out there and, you know, we pay them, but we don't even realize that. We, we act like we work for them and they're doing us a favor. Mm -hmm. No, they work for us because I guarantee you, you get 500 people in a local legislator's office, and any, if you get 500 people, now there's usually at least, let's say there's a, let's say there's a, a city like Tallahassee, Florida. We roughly have about 300,000 people in Leon County area, probably close to 400,000 people. But in the, the city of Tallahassee, if 1% of the total per capita people went down to the mayor's office all at once, you would have Tons of media there yeah. because that 1% couldn't fit in there. That's just 1%. Now imagine that's if the, imagine in, in a town like Tallahassee that you roughly have about 3% of the people that are registered to vote that actually go out and vote, 3%. I think the highest they've ever had was about 7%. Mm-hmm of the registered voters that actually go out and vote on election day, if they doubled that number, it still would represent less than 100,000 people in a town with 300,000. You know, I mean, well, actually, that's, 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 I'm saying 100,000. I mean, it would be less than uh, 
than 10,000 people. Wow. <laughs> so if you got 6% voting, you got still around maybe 10,000, 15,000 maybe people voting. That means roughly one out of every 10 people decide on who's going to run the government, the local government. That's one out of 10 people. Now, if you were that, if you were nine of those 10 people, you wouldn't want one person deciding on who's going to run something. You want to be part of that. You, want, you would be upset if you weren't a part of it and the person that was in there was doing a poor job. Mm. You know, so by the same token, what you should be wanting to do is be part of that. You know, instead of being one out of every 10, you want to be that second or that third or that fourth. Mm. And just imagine, if you went out and took one person, you could, you could increase that one-tenth by 200%. <laughs> That's right. And Brian, I think the the thing is we need to get a little bit more involved with this election and politics. And when I say uh, get involved, now that you have someone of the status of a Barack Obama or Michelle Obama, you have more people, more young people, they are getting more into the Politics, they're getting more into politics. You hear him talking about it more. And it was smart what he did. He reached out to the younger crowd through MTV and, and MySpace and Facebook, and he reached out to them like a lot of the other candidates probably never even thought about doing. Because his, his, his fan base with the youth, I mean, it's not even close. It's, it's not even close when you compare – the youth, uh, the people that are voting for Barack, they're supporting him, and the youth that are supporting McCain, it's not close. You can't teach that old, old hate with today's youth. You can't do it. Now, in certain areas, you probably could, but for our youth to get out and be as uh, voiceful as they are about voting and voting and voting, and again, it doesn't matter who you're voting for. Get involved because you know what? The government is involved in every single household in America. So why not you be involved in everything that the government does? Because they're coming, they're, they're coming to your house one way or another, through the mail or through your taxes or something. Get involved and see what's going on. It'll make a difference in your community. It'll make a difference in how you feel and a lot of times, Brian, we don't feel empowered because we sit back and we take what we get. Get out there. You can make a difference. You can make these people that are in that the, the leaders, you, you can make them move when you have your numbers and you know your stuff and you go in there. Don't just trust them 100% that they're going to do the right thing because they don't know everything. They need to hear from you. They need to hear from their bosses. And, and Brian, you said it best. We are their boss. They're not our boss. They work for us. Exactly. And when it when it turns the other way, now you're dealing with something that's really scary. It's scary. So we the people, we need to get out, vote, uh, not do anything crazy. But Brian, it's getting down to it. Uh, this election is going to be like something that we've never seen before, and the closer it gets, the worse it's getting. And when I say worse, the, the, the things that are being said, uh, I saw something on television today where they were saying that there were some signs out uh, calling uh, Obama uh, half Muslim, and there's some things going out about McCain. It's just, it's getting crazy. Yes. Yeah, it's getting crazy, and it, it, it is almost it's 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 going to be bad, Brian. I really believe that it's going to get worse before it gets better. But if you get out and vote, you don't have to deal with that mess. You don't have to worry about all of that crazy stuff. But Brian, I also saw I also saw too, Brian, that in the polls, at the, the voting polls, where people will be, you know, we talked about this with our guest last week, Mr. Ed Blunt. He said he made some great comments on some things that we all need to know. Don't wear your pins and your, any, any type of endorsement item. You can't wear that around the polling booth. 
You can't wear that inside the place. They won't let you in. So don't wear that. Don't don't go down there with your signs and your shirts and your your McCain shirts and your Obama shirts. They're not going to let you vote. They're not going to let you in if you do that. So know the rules. Go on your go on your county's website and look it up. It's there. If you don't yes. know the rules, you can't play the game. So you can't go down there with those things and say, oh, they're discriminating against me because I'm white or they're discriminating against me because I'm black. That's not it. You need to know the rules first and find out where you stand on what you're doing. This election is too important. It's it's so important. And, Brian, I was listening to Dr. Martin Luther King's speech, I Have a Dream, the I Have a Dream speech today. And I really listen. I listen to it all the time. But it's almost as if that dream is happening. It's almost as if that dream is happening right now. It's it's coming to pass. Now, when he made that speech a long time ago, a lot of people probably couldn't understand. They really didn't understand. It was more like, wow, will that ever happen? Right. Will it ever happen? And now you see different races coming together. It's a beautiful thing. They're coming together now. And I know you see it, Brian. Yes. You know, the thing that's so compelling is that, you know, for the first time we have an African-American that has a very, that is, first of all, is the first African-American to lead a national party to become president of the United States. You know, we I'll say like this: We have the first minority, and you know, in general, mm-hmm. that ha, you know, and then the fact that he's you know uh, the product of a biracial is he's not necessarily just African American, mm-hmm. so he can talk to both sides. You know, he has that he has that not necessarily that ability, but he has that approachableness because people who are uh, are not African people who are white can relate to him because he has white roots. People who are black can relate to him because he has black roots, you see. So we have that, and it's a wonderful thing just in the fact, in the sense that people are relating to him and he's bringing them out. And then they say, well, he has this rock star quality. Now, I guarantee you if it was the other way around and there was a Republican in that sense that was having that relationship they would say he has his he has the ear of the people because he can relate to the people but because it's you know because they can put the spin on that and because he has so many people especially the younger generation that has taken to him and that have embraced his beliefs and his ideals and his ideas you know now you have a situation where he's got their ear Hmm. But the more entrenched generation is saying, well, no. We, we, and, you know, and it really speaks to the generation gap, you know, yes. because most older Americans don't re- can't relate to him. And most younger Americans can't relate to John McCain, you know. Yes. And so now you have a situation, and, you know, just reading there, talking about the, vi- the uh, financial crisis, and now it shows that uh, Barack Obama has a seven-point lead. And the polls, mm-hmm. and it's because they believe that a Democrat is better suited for helping us weather the financial storm that's coming around. And you would normally think that it would be a Republican that people would trust more because Republicans are more conservative. They're not as big on spending for entitlement, which, you know, that in itself is sort of like uh, a misnomer. You know, when you look at it, when you look at uh, the terms of defense spending, Defense spending just blows away, you know, the amount of money they spend on on, uh, our quote-unquote national defense and uh, our military. I mean, entitlements are dwarfed. Right. And so let's say I'm going to – let's say I want to do a billion dollars in entitlements per year. Well, people would go crazy. Oh, a billion dollars? That's the most ever spent on entitlements per year, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But we're spending what ten billion a month in Iraq and alone. 
<laughs> you know, and I know, you know, most people say, I thought this show was about voting. It is about voting because now you have the right to vote. You have not a privilege. It's not a privilege. It's the right. It is your American-born right. It is your naturalized citizen right to vote. You have the sense now where even people who were convicted felons, depending on what state they were in, they get the right to vote returned back to them because people understand how important that right to vote is and has become, especially now. You know, people talked about the first uh, uh, the first election for uh, President Bush, current President Bush, and how important it was to vote. And I know several people who did not vote in that election because they didn't like either candidate, so they said, "I'm not going to vote at all." You know, and I said, "Well, did you did you go out and study the candidates?" No, I just wasn't voting. I ain't like none of it. I ain't voting. And then when it came down to it, they said. Man, I wish I would have voted. Maybe my vote would have counted. Because at first they said they didn't feel like their vote would count. You know, so that's just how this just how close it was, you know, and now in an election that is absolutely historic, wouldn't you rather have your name associated with the election to say, I was around and I cast what I felt was the deciding vote. See, that's how I feel when I vote. I feel like my vote is is, is going to be the deciding vote. That's the way I look at it. That's the way I approach it. When I go and pull that lever, uh, sometimes I, you know, in the past I've had my children come with me. They know who I'm voting for. They're talking about voting in, at their schools. They do the, the kids vote because they feel empowered by voting. That's right. My kids came home one year and said, uh, during the um, the last presidential election, my dad, my kids came home and said, "Daddy, we voted for John Kerry." Yeah, John Kerry rocks. And I'm like, "You know who John Kerry is?" Yeah, we voted for him in school. You know, they didn't know who he was. They just know that they voted for John Kerry at school. That's right. You know, they had a choice on who they wanted to vote for. Their friends were talking about who you should vote for. You know. They didn't know a whole lot about it. They just knew that they had the opportunity to vote, and it made them feel great. Mm, I tell you what, it was it, it's a beautiful thing that they're allowing the kids to vote because my little girl, she came in and she had the little sticker on her shirt, I voted. And you can tell it seems like she probably wore that thing all day at school. And, you know, most kids, they lose stickers and all of this kind of stuff off their clothes. But for her to wear that all day, that just lets you know that it's uh, it's a proud and, like you said, it's an empowering thing when you're able to do that. And the kids are so excited. But, Brian, they don't really know the struggles of what it took for uh, us to be able to vote now. They don't understand that. And a lot of the kids don't really understand that. And what's painful is when you hear someone in their 50s or 40s that say, I'm not voting, uh, it doesn't do any good to vote, because they know, they've seen what their parents and grandparents went through. You know, you, they heard the speeches from Dr. King, and they heard the speeches from all other, a lot of other preachers and, and people out there that, that's in the world that's trying to do what's right. But, Brian, I heard just this week, I heard some pastors in some churches telling their congregation who to vote for. And one of the pastors mm-hmm. said that if you're a Christian, there's no way you can vote for Obama. Now, the rules of the IRS says that you cannot do that. You can't lobby for a candidate or whatever. You can't do that. You can't be out politicking if you're, you're in a church. If, if you do something like that, you stand a chance of losing your tax-exempt status. Why didn't we hear about this the last couple of elections? We didn't hear anything about that. Why all of a sudden now we're starting to hear these types of things? What is it What is it about an African-American or a mixed uh, biracial man becoming a president 
what is it about him that's bringing out, well, he's not bringing out, but the person or whoever out there that, that's against him, if you don't like him, didn't vote against him. Why are you telling the congregation, you're trying to use the Bible now to say that he's not fit to be the president of this country? I want someone to show me that, Brian. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> when I saw that, Brian, on television, I wanted to grab my Bible. I, I wonder, where is he look? Where are they reading this in the Bible? Where is it at? Now everybody wants to be, uh, you know, use the Bible to correct everything. But what about the ones that are in there now or the ones that was in there that were doing the wrong thing? Oh, so much experience, experience. Look what experience has got us. Look where we are now with, with, with all this so many years of experience. Look, look where we are. And, right. Brian, you know, it's sad to say, and I'm going to say this, and I said that we were going to say some things that a lot of the media, they probably won't say. But, Brian, a lot of people would rather struggle, pay the high prices at the pumps, and lose money than to have an African-American as a president. They would rather do bad than to have him as a president, Brian. Hmm. You know, and that's a sad thing. You know, Greg, I want to I want to change gears a little bit. I want to talk about the presidential primary turnout. I've posted in the chat room the link to the voter turnout for 2008 primaries. Okay. And as I go down the line, I, I just I'm to a point where I'm I'm really appalled by the numbers. In Iowa, 16% voting eligible people, a uh, uh, voting eligible population, 16% turned out, 16.3% of the people who were eligible to vote turned out. In Wyoming at, a, at the caucus, 0.03%. New Hampshire, 52.5%. Michigan, 20%. I mean, I go down the line, and the highest that I've seen was a New Hampshire primary. Here we have Maryland at 27%. The District of Columbia was at 28%. As I go down, uh, let's see. Florida was at 33.8%. You know, I mean, it's just, it, it's almost appalling when you look at Colorado for the caucus, it was at 5.5%. Of the caucuses, I think they were the highest. Mm. Oh, I take that back. Minnesota was the highest at 7.2%. And when you look at that, here, it's a caucus. And yet, you don't have, you know, some states had less turnout for caucuses, I mean, for regular voting than they did for caucuses. You know, but can you imagine you're out going to vote for who you believe will be the next president, and you have 2.5% of the eligible voting come out. I mean, that's 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 crazy. Yes, in is. Alaska for the caucus, five percent of eligible voters came out to vote. Five percent. And states like Arkansas and Arizona and Connecticut and Delaware, they're all under 30% of eligible voters that came out to actually vote in their primaries. New York was at 20 per, under 20%. What was Florida, Brian? I, I'm not sure if you said it. Florida was, uh, where am I? I thought I just saw it. Florida was at 33.8% of eligible voters. Brian, I think this year we're going to have more people voting than ever. Oh, I agree. I think the that the dirty tricks, they may try them. They may try them. But, Brian, there's going to be so many people out voting. There's going to be so many people out that a lot of the old tricks they used to do won't work. I don't think it's going to work. I think there's going to be lines and lines of people at the uh, voting. You know, area. Greg. Yes. 
what what I think people should do is they should be ready. I think I really believe they should be ready for those trips. Yeah. And that's one reason why you have early voting. Go out. If early voting is available in your area, go out and vote early. Do not wait until election day. Yes. Because if 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 we even get twice the number of people that came out, most of the voting po- polling places won't be able to handle them. If if everybody brought one person with them, the voting the voting places would not be able to handle that type of of numbers. I, I'm reminded when um, I used to attend a church and I was uh, voted as being one of the members to um, represent my church in the general elections for our uh, incoming bishops. I was in an AME church, and they were getting ready for their quadrennial, and so we had to do a vote on who would represent our area for our district. And I remember we had voting machines. Now, there were only about 23 churches, I think, that were involved. And so of the 23, we had to cast our ballot. So that was 23 times 2, which is 46. So we had 46 ballots to cast, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we did a total of... We voted a total of six times. Now, mind you, it's 46 people, you know, voting six times. And by the set, in the, the last time that we voted, we had to do it by hand because the voting machines were all burned out. And when you think about that, that's roughly, let's see, under 300 voters. And the voting machines burned out, and we're just using one voting machine. So if you can imagine the type of uh, workload they'll get on Election Day, that's why people need to get out and vote early. Get out and vote early so you don't have any issues to worry about. I believe if everybody decide, if, if everybody at the voting age would decide to go out and vote early, try to get in before that day, that we will mitigate at least half, if not over half, of the voting irregularities, of the voting issues, of the dimpled chads and miss out, and people can't find which ballots are there. I believe that we'll get rid of at least half of those issues because it would have been able to go already tally up the early voting stuff before the actual election day. Yes. Yes. And another thing too, Brian. Besides, if if, if Everybody that's registered, and Brian, now in Florida, you know, they're going into the jails uh, and registering a lot of the guys that are in the jails that's eligible to vote, which I think is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It doesn't matter where you are. If you're eligible, you should be given that right. With all the old dirty tricks, Brian, you know, I don't really want to deal with dirty tricks. I want to talk about the things that we can bring about. I don't want to talk about how they used to do things in the past. This is the future. This is this is now. We need to uh, get those those old things out of our mind and go out and vote. Right. And I'm telling you, Brian, if you listen to Dr. Martin Luther King's "I Have a Dream" speech now, it sounds different. It sounds different. It's something that's going on that we can all see. It sounds different. You can understand it better now, I believe. This is my thought. That's what I felt today when I heard it. Because we are about uh, a part of something that's so great that's happening right this very minute, and we have that choice to be a part of history, the good history. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about going to the polls to have the water hoses and the dogs turned turn on us. I don't think. At least I'm hoping and praying that that's not the case. No, I don't think that's going to ever we, happen again. <laughs> I, I hope it does. We we can go in there and vote and come out and feel good about it. We can go in and vote who we want to vote for. 
and come out and feel good about it. We shouldn't have that make that choice. Well, am I going to vote? Am I? I don't think I'm going to vote. That that shouldn't even be a thought. That shouldn't even be a thought at this point because it's too serious. There's too much going on. And Brian, you know what? And I'm not looking at the president or whoever the president we choose to run this country. I'm not looking at this person to say, oh my goodness, this person is going to ride. He's going to run this country into the ground because this person is not God. A lot of people, Brian, you hear them, uh, the, the McCain supporters that feel that he's slipping, now that he's slipping in the polls, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, my God, this is this, this. No, 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 he's not God. He's just man. He's just a man. He doesn't touch any of us and wake any of us up. And I've never seen a man direct a storm, Brian. <laughs> so we shouldn't look at this position as if, it is the ultimate position because it's not. Because if he missed a couple of heartbeats, somebody else is going to have to step in. Somebody else is going to have to step in, Brian, and run it. So for us to get up in arms to say, oh, he's not experienced, oh, he's not this, oh, my goodness, a black man is going to run this country, oh, he's going to do this, he's going to do that, it is a system. It is a system. It's not a man, it's not a man, it's not a woman thing, it is a system thing. And that's what I think people are really missing it on, by. it's a system. You can't come in and bucket and do this and do that, you can't do that. There's still... Uh-huh. Um, channels and avenues that it, that that person will have to go down, whether it's a man or whether it's a woman, it doesn't matter. But Brian, old hate is something, and and that and that and that thing, that hate that I'm talking about, is rendering its head. It, it, its head is coming up. It's rearing its head right now. I guarantee you, you're gonna see it. You're starting to hear it. Just open it. Just open your eyes when you're out. You'll see it, Brian. Uh-huh. Yep. You know, Greg, I'm 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 inclined to read this. Uh I don't want to read the whole thing, but I'm looking at uh the Voting Rights Act of nineteen sixty five. And it says Congress determined that the existing federal anti discrimination laws were not sufficient to overcome the resistance by state officials to enforce the fifteenth amendment. And so they had to uh, create this Voting Rights Act that gave uh, the right to vote to certain individuals. You know, and when people hear that, they say, well, you know, it's been amended. And it says Congress renewed in 1984 the special provisions of the act triggered by coverage under Section 4 for 25 years. Congress also adopted a new standard that would into effect in 1985, providing how jurisdictions could terminate or bail out from coverage under the provisions of Section 4. So it says, uh, furthermore, after extensive hearings, Congress amended Section 2 to provide that a plaintiff could establish a violation of the section without having to prove discriminatory purpose. So if you all go out and you read the entire act of, um, of the Voting Rights Act, you'll you will learn that the Voting Rights Act is not going to go away at a certain date. Like everybody said, oh, it's going to go away in, in 2007. You know, it said 25 years, 2007. It's not necessarily how it works. There are certain provisions in there that were made in the Voting Rights Act that were enacted so that they couldn't discriminate and there are also other issues like um, that require like any constitutional claim of a bi- minority vote dilution must include proof of a racially discriminatory purpose, you know, requirement that was widely seen as making such claims more, far more difficult to prove. See, what was happening in the Voting Rights Act is there were certain provisions that you had to prove before you could say that they violated the Voting Rights Act or they violated yeah. Um, someone's uh, right to vote because what they would do is they would say hey well you had to be so, so you had to be the grandfather 
you know, your grandfather had to be a naturalized citizen or your, you know, you couldn't be kin to somebody who was a slave, you know, and then, you know, so every state had their own little way of weeding out the vote or weeding out certain individuals or certain parties or certain parties of people from voting. And so that's what the Voting Rights Act did. It gave, you know, it, it created provisions for people who otherwise would have been not allowed to vote under certain state and, state and local laws. You know, so it didn't say that everybody that was, you know, because most people say, oh, the Voting Rights Act gave black people the right to vote. No, what it did was it removed those loopholes and those certain laws that they felt were unconstitutional. So it said that you had a right to challenge a state or a local law that was discriminatory. So not every state and not every local uh, municipality had laws against uh, minorities voting. Some of them actually had women uh, laws against women voting. That's right. You know, and some of them had laws against people who were not married voting, or some of them had laws against people who were married to. Uh, who were in interracial relationships or interracial marriages voting. So there were a lot of other discriminatory practices that they had that were abolished by the the, um, the Voting Rights Act. Mm. You know, and that's something important that people should know because some people will say, well, we can't go and vote anymore because the Voting Rights Act is gone. You know, we don't have our Voting Rights Act. We can't go out and vote. And that's not true because since then you've had several states and local municipalities and uh, county governments and so forth go out and change their laws so that it would make the Voting Rights Act just an added benefit, you know. But they changed their laws so that it wouldn't apply, so that they couldn't get the Voting Rights Act applied to them in that matter because it wouldn't matter anymore. Their laws now allow for everybody who is able to vote to vote. Brian, what is that? It, it all boils down to that thing that you have about arming yourself. Oh, arm yourself with information. You have to have information. I mean, if you don't do anything else, at least know what you're talking about. <laughs> at least have an idea of what you're talking about. You know, if you, if look, if you're having to go out and build a ship, at least know something about how to swim. <laughs> Yeah. Just in case that ship doesn't, you know, get built right, at least know something about water. Brian, you know what? Most people know more about playing the lotto and, and the rules of the lotto than they do about voting. They know more about the numbers and what you can do and what you can't do and how to to play the lotto because they feel that that's a benefit to them. Voting is a benefit to you as well. I think it's just the way that we're looking at it. And, Brian, it can be a hard thing to swallow when you go out and vote like what happened in Florida and what happened in Ohio, when a lot of the votes, they didn't cast those votes. You lose a lot of people when things like that happen because the first thing that they say is my vote's not going to count anyway. They're going to steal the election anyway. They're going to do this and they're going to do that. But what are you going to do? Let's not talk about what they're, what people are trying to do. What, you, what action will you take as far as voting? Will you invest 15 minutes to put your lottos down, to learn the rules and regulations of how voting is done and what you can and what you can't do? Because with the same thing with voting and the same thing with playing the lotto, there's a deadline, and once that deadline is passed, you cannot play the game and you cannot cast your vote once that time has ended. <laughs> so get out, vote, have fun, enjoy it. It's a it's something. It's a right that you have. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of everything that you can. Learn about the stock market. Look at it and see what's going on. It's not too hard to understand what's going on if you invest in yourself. But a lot of times we don't do that. We don't invest in ourselves. We won't pick up a book. We won't do this or we won't do that. The more information that you have, 
the better off it, when it comes to you making decisions and choices. You know what you can do. You know what you can't do is why you're not doing it. That's a powerful thing that, that can never be answered, Brian, is, is why. You can never answer that oh. because you can always say why at the end of everything or every answer that's given. It goes on forever. So I just want to encourage everybody out there that's listening, go vote. It's so important. You'll feel better. Go vote because now you're a part of uh, a, a wonderful, wonderful club of voters, Brian. And this is something that a lot of our past leaders talked about. They were beaten and spit on and, and just dogged out because they wanted to cast their vote. They wanted to express their opinion. They wanted to make sure that they had a choice in the matter as far as who's running for president, mayor, anything that you have to vote on. It's important. Brian, I keep saying it, history is in the making right now. History is in the making, and you're going to have a lot of people trying to do everything that they can to come against that history. Now, either way, this election, if the same people stay in, it's going to be history. Um, you would be with uh, a female vice president or an African-American or biracial president. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited because I'm a part of that. I'll be a part of that history. Whether if it goes my way or not, I'm still a part of it. I took my did my part. That's all you can do is do the best that you can. And everything that you can't do, we know the creator will do. But, Brian, let's change gears and let's talk about this election right now. Uh, I know we've been talking about it before, but I want to talk about the participants in it, the candidates in it. I want you know, to Greg, before we go there, I, I've, been, I've been researching this, and I've been trying to okay, find out how much the budget for – uh, Florida's elections. How much is how much is their budget? Because what I did find is that you were talking earlier about um, about people knowing more about the lottery than they knew about uh, how to go and vote. Well, every year the lottery's budget is a hundred and sixty-three million dollars. At least it was last year. Last year's budget for the lottery hundred sixty-three million. Now we know that the lottery does bring in a lot more than that. We know they bring in, you know, probably about four billion dollars a year to the state. But you would think that you would want to spend as much money as you could. You would have a great budget set up for teaching people about how to go and vote and the election budget. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that the elections budget for the for the state is under $2 million for the whole state. And yet the budget for a lottery is $163 million. And I've been trying to find the exact numbers, but I haven't been able to locate them yet. But when you think about that, how many times do you actually see the state or a local municipality or county government put up billboards that say, this is how you go and vote. Make sure you have this information. How many actual brochures do you see um, come out? Usually see them come out through the county. You see that one brochure that they'll send you, and they'll have the information on it. You know, but that's because you're talking about the lottery. You see that every time you turn around. They got a million of them around the state, million billboards. That's and all they have on there is a lottery. Right, and Brian, that's because it's so powerful. I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's why it's not given. That's why that information is not uh, just put out there so people can really understand because it is so powerful. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So, I mean, I was saying that to just say, do you believe that it's, it's just because they want to give the people a false sense of hope? You know, because people hope that they can win the lottery, they'll put their hard-earned money into it. 
but they won't put that same type of time and energy and finances into, you know, determining who will be the next leader or who will be the next person to, you know, govern their state, their city, their county. I mean, you see some people put money into it, but the general public, if you told them they had to pay a dollar to go and vote, you'd never get someone in there. You'd you'd have the worst voting turnout ever. You probably wouldn't get anybody in there. But if you told them to put a dollar in, they can get a million dollars, oh, yeah, they're going to put that dollar in. Mm. You see? But what we realize is that when we don't go out and exercise our vote, we gamble with our future. That's right. So it's worse than, than going in and trying to gamble a dollar to get a million. You may go in there and vote the wrong person in, and he may put implement he may implement something that will cause your stock to be cut in half one day. You know, he may cause you to have to spend seven hundred billion dollars of your hard-earned money, which, from what I believe, equates out to about two thousand dollars per person in the United States. That's men, women, and children. They'll come out better by giving the people that two thousand dollars and letting them go out and spend it in, into the to the country. Here's my question: How do they even come up with a number like that? I mean, do they just say, well, "How much do we spend? How much do we need?" Oh, we need about seven hundred billion. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you know, I'm glad you said that because, like, like I said, I really wanted to get into uh, talking about the uh, individual candidates. You know, when they when they came out with this bill, it was only a page and a half. $700 billion is a page and a half. You can't borrow $1,000 on a page and a half. You're going to have to fill out so much information. It's more than a page and a half just to borrow $1,000 or maybe 500 But you're asking the American people to take the hit because it's going to show up in the taxes. To take a hit, to bail out the people that let them down in the first place. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's kind of tough, you know. It's a big pill. Like they've been saying to them, it's a big pill to swallow. And to use fear to tell people, well, if you don't do this today, the country's going to do this, going to do this, going to do that. But you know what, Greg? I, I don't mean to cut you off, but here's the whole here's the whole thing about that. Here it is: you have these financial markets that are making money hand over fist, and housing prices that are skyrocketing and a lot of that was due you know and, and you know people want to say it was due to Bill Clinton having them lower the you know requirements so that people could get homes and everything else you know and that sounds all well and good but you also have to factor in a whole lot of other stuff it's not just the fact that they lowered the standards because for one frankly the standards were so high that average people couldn't afford to get a home Middle class, yes. You know, the middle class people couldn't afford to get a home. Ain't that something? You know? And so they lowered the standards, right? Well, lowering those standards, we did pretty good, didn't we, for quite a while. But then when you you factor in we were at war and when two different countries were blowing those countries up to smithereens, then we're sending our military, our supplies, our consumable goods over there to help them rebuild with our supplies, our manufactured stuff, which in turn caused our home prices to skyrocket because now there's less material, and then you have a catastrophe like Hurricane Katrina. You have the Midwest when they have those 200 tornadoes cut through there a couple of years ago. You have the, the 2004 hurricane season, a couple, you know, with the 2005 hurricane season. And, I mean, all those factors, you have the fires that are burning up all the wood, you know, out in the the Midwest and in the western states. You know, you had severe drought. You had all kinds of things that happened that directly affected, you know, our housing markets. So our housing markets, you had a shortage on homes. So they, you know, they built up. And as a result, you had people trying to build more than they could afford to build you know, because they were getting loans left and right trying to get all these homes built for people in hopes that they could get in them and build them and buy them. People were extending themselves out because they were raising the home prices. So they'd get those, you know, 
two, three subprime mortgages, even though they couldn't afford the first one, because they really wanted to get a home before the home prices went up even higher. You know, so a lot of this mess wasn't just the fact that one, you know, that President Clinton decided, oh, yeah, I'm going to, you know, have them, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, I'm going to be a little more lax on them. You know, you could say it was him, and, you know, he even says, yes, you know, I take a little heat on that because I did do that. But at the time, we had a huge surplus, so we could afford to do it. At a time, the, the, the economy was great. The United States was sitting on a $3 trillion surplus. Now we're looking at close to a $4 trillion deficit that they talk about going, to, going as far as $9 trillion. <laughs> wow. Can you imagine that? Yes, I want to ask you a question. You were talking about a lot of the bad things that were going on in this country, like the Hurricane Katrina. You know, when the Democratic Party were having their convention, shortly after that, there was a, I think it was Hurricane Faye that went through and was going towards Louisiana, and you had so many people uh, at Gustav. The, yeah, was it Gustav? That's what it was. Okay. Well, that particular one, whatever one it was, it was going through there. You had a lot of people that were supposed to attend the Republican Party's convention, right? Uh-huh. A lot of those people didn't go because of that storm, right? Uh-huh. And I think the president stayed behind. He said he stayed behind so that he could deal with that. But when Ike hit Texas, were they there? <laughs> now, all of a sudden, you, you can't come to the Republican Party's convention. But when I hit Texas, you didn't hear a thing. Do you really think it was because of the Republican, because of the storm? <sighs> or because they felt like the Republican turnout was going to be bad, so they used the storm as a scapegoat? I think I think that a lot of the top Republicans were angry at the person that, Senator McCain chose. I believe, you I really believe. But you know what's funny? You wouldn't think that now because now they believe, they keep, what you keep hearing is, oh, she's absolutely the best choice. Well, if you hear it enough, some people will start to believe it. Right. You, you, you know, and everything that they, and you know, and the thing that, that was just surprisingly kind of, actually is kind of shocking to me was that everything that, People were saying were was a negative for her. The you know the campaign is saying that's her strength. That's a plus for her. You know when they talked about you know and it's and it's kind of bad when you bring in family and politics. But I mean it was done to Senator Obama, and so you know when it happened to Senator Palin, everybody's oh my God I can't believe you're using that. That's not fair. It's not fair. You shouldn't do that. And even Senator Obama said no, I'm not going to do that. You know, but when you talk about the issue with her daughter, who, you know, is a single parent, well, soon to be single parent, and she's a teenager, you know, and they said, oh, well, they're going to keep the baby. So that's her plus because she is pro-life. She's going she's gonna to keep the baby, and they're going to get married. So what they tried to do is put a positive spin on a negative situation and frankly, I think that's double speak. Right. You know, because what are you doing? Are you glorifying it? Are you glamorizing it? Are you trying to sugarcoat it and paint it up and make it look like a pretty little pony? I mean, that's the thing that, that kind of puzzled me. And I'm like, if anybody, if anything, what they should have done, and rightfully so, was condemn the act. They Nobody, you never heard anybody say, well, they shouldn't have done it. You never heard anybody make those statements. You know, and it was if, oh, it's okay. You know, it's not a big deal. You know, they're kids. They did something, you know, blah, blah, blah. You'd never heard anybody talk about that. That's right. You know, we got about 30 seconds left. you have any closing thoughts? Get out and vote. Those are my thoughts. All right. We definitely need you out there voting. Please show up. Please come out. Uh, early voting. 
Early voting is so important. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for joining us tonight. We hope you join us again on Monday evening, 9 p.m. Good evening and God bless.